Hey gang, uh, it's me just jumping in at the beginning of this episode. I uh, wanted to just give a brief heads up. Um, I know it's been a while and obviously the world is in a pretty uh, rough and sad state right now and Jose and I are obviously feeling that listening back through this episode. It's quite mordant. Um, there's some downer moments. So just wanted to come in at the beginning, give you guys a little heads up. This is going to be a kind of sad one, kind of rough one. Um, so if you're already feeling a little low, maybe take a pause on this one, maybe listen to it later. Um, but don't, don't give yourself the, uh, the extra sadness. Anyway, love you guys. I hope you enjoy. All right. Cool. Good deal. Um, all right. We're back. We've done it. Not unlike the COVID-19 pandemic, there will be a new wave. (laughs) of bikini bottom of it still in this thing um so many months later hey guys uh i don't know do we want to explain to people why we disappeared for uh yeah 100 years first of all yeah welcome welcome to the bikini bottom of it um i don't remember our thing but basically we talk about the symbology the philosophy the ethics of uh the Nickelodeon masterpiece SpongeBob SquarePants. I am Jose Ovalle, one of your hosts. And uh, Daniel, why don't you introduce hey yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Daniel. I think we used to say we do school. Uh, we both do a lot of school, mm. uh, completely unrelated to this. And school. yeah, this is a podcast where we uh, solely the name of actual artists by comparing them to SpongeBob SquarePants. So yeah, it's a really great it's a time. Good time. And so yeah, we, we disappeared for quite a while, uh, dear listener. You might be interested as to why. Um, yeah, life is kind of crazy, you know, um, moved, I got a concussion, we started school, yeah. um, it's been, it's been a trip. It's been a wild <laughs> ride, but don't you worry about a thing, the wizard's curse is unbroken and our toil is never finished, so, uh, we have resumed. Wow. Um. Where is that from? What is that I from? don't know. Feels like something, right? <laughs> that was from my brain. That one's off the dome. What episode are we doing today, Jose? So today we are actually going to talk about the jellyfishing episode of SpongeBob. Um, we're really excited to talk about this today. And so basically, if if uh, you don't remember, dear listener, uh, what we're going to do first is we are going to talk about the episode. We're going to do an outline of the episode, and then we are going to introduce the book um, or the idea, the philosophy um, that we believe Steven Hillenburg is trying to compare this episode to. So for this episode of jellyfishing, um, I have decided to include Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. Uh, So just as a quick introduction, Franz Kafka was a late 19th, early 20th century writer from Germany. He is well known for his works, The Trial, A Hunger Artist, and the work that we're going to talk about today, The Metamorphosis. He was basically unknown before his death at 40 years old. Uh, Honestly, if you just want to get like really sad, just like read about his life. It's uh, it's depressing. Um, but he blew up uh, because his friend, uh, so <laughs> so Franz Kafka died at 40 years old and his friend, um, he had it, He had instructed his friend to destroy his writings uh, after his death, but his friend, I, I actually ignored that and uh, published them. They, they became wildly popular and he is, I think, rightly known as one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. Uh, if you're not familiar with the author, but you're wondering why his name seems familiar, your memory might be hearkening back to your sophomore year SAT vocab preps inclusion of the word Kafka-esque. So I'm going to offer a couple dictionary terms for the term Kafka-esque, but they do not uh, describe the fullness thereof of what this word means. 
And so the first one is relating to uh, or is a characteristic of or resembling the literary work of Franz Kafka marked by a senseless, disorienting, often menacing complexity. So this, this I Daniel, I don't think that this is necessarily helpful because you have to know Kafka's work in order to know what Kafkaesque means. So another dictionary term uh, defines Kafkaesque as a situation that is disorienting and illogically complex in a surreal or nightmarish way. So this is a little bit better. Honestly, uh, a lot of SpongeBob can be described in this uh, because if you just change the tone a little bit, it's terrifying. Right. But Frederick Carl, uh, one of Kafka's biographers, uh, put it, I think, in the best terms when he said that something is Kafka-esque when you enter a surreal world in which all your control patterns, all your plans, the whole way in which you have configured your own behavior begins to fall to pieces. What you do is struggle against this with all of your equipment, with whatever you have. But of course... You don't stand a chance. That's Kafka-esque. And that's honestly what we're going to speak on today. Focusing on our titular character, Squidward. Honestly, he's my hero. Uh, throughout throughout this show, throughout our podcast, I've, I, I've honestly grown to despise SpongeBob a little huh. bit. Uh, and, that's fascinating. And, and I've grown to... Yeah, we're only, we're only I, two episodes honestly, in, my man. <laughs> honestly, I've grown... Like, this has been a little shocking for me, too. The more I look at SpongeBob, maybe the more I look at my own innocence that has that has left. It's died. You know, yeah, um, huh. yeah. <laughs> the innocence that has died, um, and and I've really grown to appreciate and maybe not appreciate, but definitely have sympathy for Squidward. Hmm. Um, so now I'm going to go through a quick summary of the book of metamorphosis or would you think it's better for me to go through a summary of the episode of Jellicle? i mean i can break in here and summarize the episode briefly maybe um oh you yeah, go ahead. yeah, yeah it's that's a, right. a, a menacingly complex episode i think that's going to be the name of this podcast because that's just a, a joyful <laughs> com- combination of words but um yeah so i'm coming this one's coming straight off the spongebob fandom page uh because i did not I'm a big fan of write an episode uh, synopsis myself this week. But the episode begins with a jellyfish swimming by SpongeBob's house where SpongeBob and Patrick then observe it through a massive telescope protruding from a window in SpongeBob's home. Wow, that sentence is a nightmare. Hey, fandom, I know that I'm like stealing your work, but that sentence was problematic. Um, So yeah, anyway, the episode kicks off. uh, SpongeBob and Patrick are in the house. They see a jellyfish through this giant telescope. Uh, They slide down ropes. Uh, They do get rope burn and they put their jellyfishing nets together. Um, SpongeBob puts on his jellyfishing glasses, which I believe is the theme for the rest of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. And we then uh, see Squidward out in front of his house. And he says that he will not be joining the two of them for uh, jellyfishing because he's going on a bike ride. While he's biking, though, he has an accident involving a jellyfish and he gets its tentacles tangled in his bike's pedals veers out of control and fumbles down a cliff and then inexplicably explodes, uh, <laughs> leaving him ultimately wheelchair bound. Uh, SpongeBob and Patrick decide that what Squidward needs is the best day ever. Uh, there's some alphabet soup. There's a lot of burning, uh, a lot of, I would argue, borderline torture that occurs to Squidward. Uh, I, th- I think it's a bit sadistic. Yeah, I- I'm, I'm seeing the SpongeBob hate a little more now. I don't want to be a SpongeBob apologist in the episode that he literally tortures Squidward. <laughs> Um, and then they decide that, uh, what Squidward after being injured by a jellyfish needs is a jellyfishing expedition. Uh, this is where we get the classic firmly grasp it, uh, where in Patrick impales Squidward's hand, uh, and 
yeah, they, they try to get him to jellyfish. Uh, he eventually gets shocked by a giant jelly um, and his life gets consistently worse. And the episode comes to a close. Yeah, we're going to we're going to come to a lot of those themes. Uh, but honestly, listener, what, what we really want you to do during this episode is just firmly grasp <laughs> the philosophy oh, no. of Franz Kafka. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we did it. This is this is the end of our podcast. That's it. We're ending on that joke, and there's no more. That was the whole goal. Um, so now, what what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a quick summary of uh, the Metamorphosis. I highly recommend you you uh, read this. It, it's a short read. It's a short story. Um, I read it in high school during a time um, that I was struggling with a lot of, I guess you would say, depression. Um, and while it didn't really offer any answers to what I was experiencing, I felt heard in a way. It was comforting in a sense to 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 feel heard. So anyways, um, before I get sentimental, so the first sentence, <laughs> with those words, the first sentence of the book opens up with the words, as Gregor Samsa awoke from unsettling dreams one morning, he found himself transformed in his bed into a monstrous vermin. Uh, the author doesn't explain how. He doesn't even explain why. He just does. Uh, so Gregor lives with his family, his father, mother, and sister, and is their sole breadwinner because the parents are old and he is paying off his father's debt. Gregor is very is a very unhappy person. He's a traveling salesman, uh, but he's a good son and a good brother. So, it, But instead of freaking out over being a giant cockroach, uh, he instead can only think about the fact that he's going to be very, very late to work. Uh, that's all he can think of. That's that's kind of the idea of Kafka-esque, right? He wakes up and he should be freaking out that he's a giant bug. But the only thing he can think of is that he's going to be late for work. So um, I really like this line when he says, all he wanted to do uh, was to get up quiet, quiet and undisturbed, get dressed, and most important, eat breakfast and only then consider what to do next. As if a giant bug can, you know, ride the subway and get to work right on time. So uh, while trying to figure out how to roll off his back and use all the new limbs that he's got, and his boss knocks on the door wondering why Gregor's so late to work. After a bit of commotion because Gregor can't really work his uh, can't really work his new body and is trying to open the door, the door is open, and when his family and boss sees him, they unsurprisingly freak out. The boss is in shock, the mother faints, the father sobs, yet Gregor tries to save his face, uh, save face and his job to no avail. Eventually, uh, so this is also kind of funny because like as the boss is like literally like backing up like terrified like about to run into the hallway gregor is is speaking right because to him he sounds normal he's like speaking bug yeah it's like okay. bug so it's like a chirping like gross sound think of maybe like lasagna getting squished by a That's hammer right uh, keeping up <laughs> I, don't, I don't enjoy that i'd I rather not think about it actually i don't, I don't think i will <laughs> actually like a mallet not yeah, a hammer no like a make mallet. it worse please Anyways, yeah 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 so so he's speaking normally but no one can understand him so inside in uh in his in his mind right he's he's uh a human but ontologically he's now a bug right a cockroach or a vermin uh kafka doesn't really explain uh so during this time he's like trying to explain to his boss why he didn't get up uh on time and that he's gonna be like he's gonna get to work on time and everything and so it's this whole kafka-esque idea he's like i'm i'm fine i'm totally fine and then like they're literally terrified and it's this whole absurd situation where he just wants to get to work 
So eventually the father beats him back into his room and, and he's relegated to his room. He can't go out. But eventually the family learns to keep a formal relationship with him. They feed him and leave him alone in his room as he becomes more and more like a bug. However, as the financial strain is felt more and more and more, uh, and more emotions are heightened, Gregor's father throws an apple at him during an altercation and it lodges it itself in his back. And as it rots, his wound gets infected. And and thank you, Wikipedia, for this part. For the most part, I did mine, but then I started reading Wikipedia's and it was pretty good. Uh, and Gregor starts to suffer from his injuries for several weeks and, and takes very little food. He's increasingly neglected by his family and his room becomes used for storage. To secure their livelihood, the family takes three tenants into their apartment. The cleaning lady alleviates Gregor's isolation by leaving his door open for him on the evenings and the tenants eat out. One day... His door is left open despite the presence of the tenants. Gregor, attracted by uh, his sister's violin playing in the in the living room, crawls out of his room and is spotted by un the unsuspecting tenants who complain about the apartment's unhygienic conditions and cancel their tenancy. His sister, who has tired of taking care of Gregor and realizes the burden of his existence, uh, puts on them, tells her parents they must get rid of it. Uh, so they stop calling him Gregor and they start calling him it. So his, his being starts getting lost, right? Yeah. Or, um, and, and if they don't get rid of him, uh, they will all be ruined. Gregor, understanding that he is no longer wanted, dies of starvation before sunrise, uh, which is honestly like if there's anyone that can make this scene beautiful, um, it, it it's a beautiful part of the book and I'm going to read it later. Gregor, understanding, yeah, so he dies uh the relieved and optimistic family takes a tram ride out to the countryside and decides to move to a smaller apartment to save more money during the short trip mr and mrs samsa realize that in spite of the hardships that have brought some paleness to her face greta uh the sister has grown up into a pretty and well-figured lady they think about finding her a husband so that's a short uh, summary of the book uh i highly recommend reading it um kafka's a genius i i just read one of his other short stories uh but now that i've gone through the book and the show i want to create some connections between the two works i was gonna say you've, you've got a lot of work to do friend because i'm just i'm as of this moment man. not seeing it man yeah it might be because you don't firmly grasp it but it's wow. gonna blow your mind okay. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> So the ridiculous nature of SpongeBob, uh, but the specifically Kafka-esque. So there's a difference between absurdism and and something being Kafka-esque, right? Um, right, because absurdism isn't inherently malicious, right? Yes. Kafka Kafka-esque implies that something bad is happening to someone. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, okay. So so this is this show, this episode is Kafka-esque, right? And right. honestly, it's it's pretty menacing. So uh, now I'm gonna begin. So. There's a lot of similarities between Squidward and uh, Gregor Samsa. Um, for the most part, I'm going to focus on Squidward's suffering. I'm not necessarily going to okay. explore the sport of jellyfishing. There's a lot of other jellyfishing episodes, so I think we can... Right. We will be coming back to it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so both Gregor Samsa and Squidward are incapacitated in some way, right? So mm, do mm. so so you could look at the absurd nature of Squidward's injury, right? How right. did he not see the jellyfish? I know he was laughing, but I mean, come on, right? Oh, because he like swallows it, huh? I'm sorry, he it's been a while since I've seen this episode for prep. He, he, he the eats the jellyfish. Yes, hundred percent. It goes right. into his mouth, and then he gets in, and then he freaks out, and then he falls off the cliff. But and explodes. How, yes. How does the how does a wooden bicycle explode? 
That that doesn't right. make any sense. That's completely absurd. It's like a nuclear explosion. Dude. It's a nuclear. It's not. It's exactly the explosion uh, in Fallout Three when you shoot the nuke missile. Mm. It's almost exactly that, so. That cuts too deep for me. <sighs> Anyways, Kafka um, I was on board with, but then he hit me with Fallout Three, <laughs> and I'm I'm out. Man, we. <laughs> I try to bring in another subject. Anyways, but very much like Squidward's bicycle explosion. How did Gregor become a vermin? Kafka doesn't try to answer the question. Uh, Gregor right. honestly isn't even interested in the question. There's no time where he tries to figure out, like, why is this happening to me? How did this happen? Nobody knows, right? The family's right. not, the honestly, the family's not even interested in how this happened. Nobody seems to be interested. It just happens, right? Okay. We don't know. So they're both in I'm kind of seeing the connection there, right? Yeah. Oh, we'll get ready do, for do this. Do SpongeBob or Patrick ask? They don't, right? They never check in. They're never, hey, Squidward, how did you get here? Yeah. It's but just then a, even oh, he's, he's terribly injured. Yeah, but then even on top of that, when Squidward gets home, right, they're inside of his house. That's true. That's horrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. I, right. Okay. Yeah. If you watch this episode haunting. with different music, you know, like horror movie soundtrack. Interesting. It's a pretty like terrifying a episode. Just put tiptoeing through the tulips on repeat and you'll just, you'll really have an awful time with Dude. it. Yeah. And I'm not saying I did that. but so but get this even more than the similarity of their transformation so let's say squidward it's his metamorphosis there's a similarity in their metamorphosis right because now they both cannot speak right in a sense Mm -hmm. gregor can speak uh but but no one can understand him so he so can he really speak right when he tries so he actually eventually ends up giving up speaking right? Because nobody can understand him anyways, right? Um, he is human in his mind, but his being has become that of a vermin. Like Gregor, Squidward, covered in a body cast, right? Has mm-hmm. now become something not quite human. He's human inside like Gregor, but he cannot speak. He can't right. make his will known. He cannot strive mm. against his persecutors. And even in this episode, he actually tries to speak over and over again, but it comes out a gargled mess. Right. Like Kafka, like Gregor Samsa, he has become a vermin, right? He can't make his will known. Uh, therefore, they're, they're both silent sufferers, right? Mm. And so now it's this whole idea of like Squidward is trapped in his, in his mind, right? Because he can't do anything about the things that SpongeBob and Patrick are doing to him. So now we're going to switch to SpongeBob. So, in a sense, Gregor's family were his torturers. Uh, they, didn't, right. they didn't understand him, so they shunned him, right? They didn't allow for his will to be made, to, for his will to, like, impact their lives in any way. I remember when I was reading the book when I was a kid, uh, and I was just like, man, like, why, why, why don't they just let him go out? Why don't they just do something for him to have a life, right? Um, and now that I'm older, I'm like, well, Gregor actually loved his family so much, right that like he didn't want to leave he he loved their family till the end and that's why he chose to die so there's even like religious undertones to all of this but anyways um so while he was their caretaker he supported them right yet while he needed help they didn't reciprocate i guess they supported him in a certain way by giving him rotten food but 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 they didn't care for him uh, now that he's no longer productive. So now there's also like economic undertones, right? And it, he he's no longer productive for his family. But it's in this first sense that I'm going to focus on. They didn't understand him, right? 
Um, and they didn't understand him, so they shunned him. So, like Gregor Samsa, Patrick tries to give Squidward hot soup, even though Squidward's mouth is covered. He can't even drink <laughs> soup. No, right? he can't. It's but it's completely inexplicable. It makes no sense. But Patrick, you know, when when so Patrick like gets the spoon and he blows on the spoon in order to make it cold, and he blasts it, him with boiling soup. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, it, it and, and he screams and he screams and they don't seem to listen to him. They don't understand him. So this is interesting though, because I I do have this this like thought that's sort of brewing in my mind of there is a, a I guess a difference in my understanding of the family of Kafka or rather of Gregor um and sort of spongebob and patrick in that spongebob and patrick's objective is to to give squidward the best day Mm -hmm. right and it's just sort of them doing it in a way that ends up backfiring because they're imbeciles um Mm -hmm. well patrick's an imbecile i'm I'm sort of i've been mulling over this idea that spongebob is just a despicable human being and i think low-key i'm coming around to it because he he has no real excuse patrick's a moron uh patrick's a useful right spongebob should know better he he works in like food service he should understand when someone's being burned by a a food item but even irregardless where how do you how do you reconcile i guess the difference between the the intentions of these torturers so what's actually kind of interesting uh and maybe this this is pretty like kind of challenging right though they Mm -hmm. had different intentions right spongebob and, and and patrick intended to take care of Squidward and, and, and the family just, just wanted to keep him in the room and didn't really want anything to do with him. The actions, the effects were the same. The outcomes were the same, mm-hmm. right? Both. Much like the, the lack of explanation for the, the metamorphosis. Absolutely. There's, there's a lack of uh, cause is unimportant to Kafka. Exactly. Cause is irrelevant. It's, it's the outcomes that are the, the important factor exactly so though they tried to to give him the best day ever uh the outcome was painful to squidward because truly what would have his what would have been his best day ever was would have to be left alone right like so um i think that's kind of interesting they tried to take care of him but but they just increased his suffering Right. But then even on top of that, right, SpongeBob, after telling he ends up telling Patrick to to stop trying to feed him soup. Right. But then he he says, uh, I I know what's going to help you. Right. I'm and then he takes Squidward's clarinet and starts trying to play music. Right. It's right. audio torture. He doesn't right. know how to play the flute. They didn't. They did not pull punches. And aside when they when they recorded the 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 dub or the sound effect or whatever the foley, I suppose for that that bad clarinet, they made something so displeasing. Oh my gosh! And just put it out there. You actually do experience alongside Squidward the pain of that performance. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. They want the listener to also feel the pain. Right. right? So it's actually like pretty horrible watching it as an adult. And you're just right. like you're you're associating yourself with Squidward. You're just like this sucks. Like these people yeah. are pretty horrible, right? They try to play this whole thing off as funny, but it's like yeah. I mean, and then you can even go through the idea of like how is Squidward suffering? He's suffering physically, and he's suffering you know mentally from like not being able to say anything emotionally, right. same way. But then also auditory, 
wise right. right and so it's just this yeah. whole orbs suffering. They're, they're they're nailing all the senses really absolutely uh but then even on top of that what what, what makes this episode so much more kafka-esque is at the beginning when when squidward gets home and spongebob and patrick are are in the house he turns around and he starts trying to go outside right he, yes. he, he tries to leave <laughs> yeah. and then spongebob says out. this spongebob says this your best day ever is not going to be outside, right? Which a, <laughs> right. which a is is a bit of a foreshadowing, right? But yeah. then b, how absurd is it, right? That even though he says that, uh, they take him outside. They take him outside. He says, "This is the best for last. We're going to take you jellyfishing, right?" That's that's extremely Kafka esque because how absurd is it to take a severely injured man in a body cast jellyfishing, a violet sport that takes a lot of preparation as evidence from the beginning of the episode. Right. It's something it's it's approaching big game hunting. I mean they're they're going out to take down these creatures that are very capable of delivering them immense harm when they fail to do it correctly. Yeah. I mean it's it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's like athletic beekeeping in a way you know but with gigantic bees the size of like large birds like it's it's not super safe and also i'm sitting here right now and i'm just fuming thinking about spongebob because not only is it jellyfishing with a man who there's no reason to expect him to be able to do so safely it's taking a person whose injury was generated by the jellyfish and then saying to them you know what your best day ever is is immediately after this massive injury Let's go expose you to this thing that injured you. Absolutely. In large numbers. And we're going to hunt it, by the way. Yeah. It's terrifying. I'm upset. And if you're supposed to be a master jellyfisher, you know know all the the pains, all the sufferings of of, of being this jellyfisher. And then, hey, why don't we take this injured man? Right? It's it's got to be so haunting if you're if you're really putting yourself in Squidward's perspective because these two people are assuring you that they're professionals, but you internally are distinctly aware of the the, the reality that they are not professionals because they are taking you. Yeah. Right. So as they're assuring you of your safety, you are being actively made aware of the fact that you are completely unsafe with these two. They will not be keeping you safe, but you're physically incapable of resisting it. Absolutely. This is this is totally the plot. You could make this the plot of a horror movie. And so we keep on going, right? Because now that they're in the jellyfish field, right? Uh, obviously, Squidward cannot hold a net. His hand is covered by this cast, right? Yet Squidward, right, right is trying to get him to hold on to, to, to jellyfishing. Uh, yeah, right? Patrick is yes. trying to help him. <laughs> He's trying to get uh, Squidward, yeah. To, to hold on to this jellyfishing rod up until he stabs his hand through in order for literally him to impales his hand grasp it absolutely and so um there's ultimately there's many differences but ultimately yeah squidward and gregor suffer uh similar fates where where squidward gets destroyed by the giant jellyfish at the end of the episode uh gregor's is more muted and and i'm going to read it now because honestly it, it's kind of hauntingly beautiful it it'll make you think about this guy for a while what now gregor wondered peering around in the darkness he soon discovered that he could no longer move at all this did not particularly puzzle him rather it seemed unnatural to him that he had actually been able to walk on these skinny little legs otherwise he felt relatively comfortable of course his whole body ached but it seemed to him that the pain was gradually fading and would eventually disappear altogether 
He could hardly feel the rotten apple in his back and the inflamed area around it, which were covered over by dust by stuff dust. His thoughts, full of tenderness and love, went back to his family. He was even more firmly convinced than his sister, if possible, that he should disappear. He remained in this state of empty and peaceful reflection until the tower clock struck three in the morning. He hung on to see the growing light outside the window, then his head sank involuntarily to the floor, and his last feeble breath streamed from his nostrils. So, it's, he waited to see the, the, the dawn, and then he died. And contrast to this, this almost poetic death, uh, when, when the maid, when the, uh, when the maid of the house found his lifeless body, she started to cheer. And then when she went to tell his family, they just kind of, uh, they were almost ambivalent about it. You know, they were like, finally. Right. Um, so ultimately, uh, though their, their, their fates were slightly different, they were, very similar um and so as a result i i ultimately think this episode touches on one of the main themes of the metamorph of the metamorphosis so the point of it is that uh one of the points of 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 the book is that suffering can seem extremely absurd or pointless uh squidward and gregor uh were basically speechless characters and and don't seem to answer why they're suffering or even seek to offer an answer um and so when, when, when I was doing this research, I, I went into, I, I investigated Kafka's faith a bit. And I saw that while he struggled with the faith of his ancestors, uh, a Judaism, Kafka was an atheist. And so he seems to imply mm-hmm. in his work that the world is chaotic and without meaning. Uh, Kafka's uh, writing of Gregor's metamorphosis is, is absurd uh, Gregor's reaction of it is absurd. His family's reaction is absurd, and and everyone around this story behaves in a manner that you wouldn't expect. Same with SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. No one reacts as they should. SpongeBob should have left him to to heal and recover, but rather he inflicts right. pain and on, on top of pain. Uh, Squidward is left to suffer these consequences. SpongeBob and Patrick are, are totally absurd. And and this presents a conflict. And, and this is kind of where, where I want to kind of go back and forth with you because uh, this presents a conflict, right? As a Christian, right. our worldviews uh, say that uh, we don't have to know why things are happening. And in, in order to know what was meant for evil, God is working out for good, right? So like one of Jesus' apostles, Peter... Right. Uh, I can either look at the storm around me, right? That's sinking my boat, or I can transfix my gaze on Jesus's face. So now, so you might disagree with me, right? Listener, uh, or, or you might have a different faith or no faith at all. But ultimately this episode and the metamorphosis presents you with a question, a confrontational question, actually a confrontational question on suffering and ultimately about life and death and reality and forces you to think about these things. You, you have to think about this. What do you believe? Do you agree with Kafka? Why do you or why don't you? Um, I used to think this book was on depression. And when I was struggling a lot, this book didn't answer my questions, but I felt heard. I was comforted in a way. Mm. Uh, someone felt like I did at that time. But if you don't really think about these things, maybe you're left feeling a little uncomfortable. Uh, and, and I think you should ask yourself why. Uh, maybe uh, uh, maybe start thinking about these things. Examine yourself. As art does, the metamorphosis and this episode of SpongeBob should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Mm. It's an interesting interplay because like there there is this element at which Hillenburg um, and Kafka both are 
pushing on this uh, sense that we have that everything should have a meaning or a reason, particularly with suffering. And there's, uh, I think, a, a, a attempt by both of them to sort of say, like, no, in life there isn't a meaning to suffering. There is no, there is no reason. There is no explanation. Um, and I, I tend to agree that I think often with suffering, the explanation is difficult to find. And there's this attempt by both of them, I think, also to, to separate outcome from cause and say sometimes you don't get a cause even. Sometimes it's just the outcome, yeah. right? Like the, what leads up to the outcome is irrelevant. What matters is the outcome. And I think anybody who's gone through something seriously devastating sees that, that the events leading up to the thing are often pretty irrelevant to the thing itself, right? Once it's happened, that's what's in your foremost concern. And I think I, I obviously disagree that there is no reason for suffering, but I, I, I'm very sympathetic to the idea that that reason is not always something that we're made yeah. party to, at least on this side of heaven. Yeah. Um, and I think there is something deeply comforting about knowing that that is a, a commonality in human experience and that we can understand that part of each yeah. other, uh, regardless of where our listeners or us land that, um, we all can we all can see each other and know that sometimes bad things do happen. Sometimes you you get your hand stabbed and get you know just murdered by a giant jellyfish yeah. and like that's just it. Yeah, I I I totally agree. I think it it presents us with you know challenging thoughts. We we don't necessarily. I mean, during the coronavirus, I think we've been confronted with the reality of immortality more than we've when than we ever really have. But even on top of that, um, I I'm 23. Um, even with COVID, I, I don't necessarily think I'll really suffer, which is, which is interesting, but like when, when in sort of insane in and of itself, when you look around, I don't know about you, but I've, I felt weirdly guilty or haunted yeah, by that even at times. Absolutely. Uh, which actually, the capriciousness of how this targets and hurts people is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so th- then I think when reading things like this, you're really confronted with with the reality of it. It's like, are we mm. are we that much different in terms of when we suffer? Like, can we really explain everything, you know? And the answer is... Right. You know, and like, that's that's sort of brutal too in terms of the firmly grasp it, just mm-hmm. to return to that of the, the punctuating joke, the thing that I think everybody remembers from this episode is firmly grasp yeah. it, you know, as he stabs him. There's nothing to firmly grasp. Whoa. You know, there's nothing to firmly grasp. Like you don't get an explanation. Wow. You don't get to firmly grasp it. You know, Patrick's asking you to do the impossible, much like Squidward. And I think sometimes we tend to try to force it and it just ends up hurting more. It's almost as if Steven Hillenberg is telling the, the, the viewer, firmly grasp what I'm trying to tell you, knowing right. that the task is going to be like, um, what's that? What's that myth? The Greek myth? Is it Sisyphus that yes. pushes the stone? Yes. So yes. It's, it's like, it's Steve Hillenberg knows the task of firmly grasping what he's trying to say is going to be like Sisyphus, right? So we're pushing the stone up the hill only for the stone to fall right back. And then we start over and over and over again. So it's like, he's telling you firmly grasp it, firmly grasp it. It's almost like a taunt. This really is like a horror movie. Right. And I mean, in a continuing theme, uh, this, this, this opening sequence that the SpongeBob series has given us is, just dreadful when you really tear into it it's it's meant to to challenge and confuse and upset you and um that's what we have for you listener in this time is more challenge and more confusion and more sadness absolutely and you know i think presented with all of this i mean we don't want to be a huge bummer but maybe it could be just a call to 
for us to think through, be more intentional in our lives, start asking what really matters. Um, if you haven't done that yet, uh, and if you have, uh, maybe this is comfortable. This, this, this yeah, and I comfort. think into I, I would argue too, sensitize you to others' suffering mm. uh, is something that you should take away from this episode because I think we've largely taken the role of Squidward in this show because to take the role of you know Patrick or SpongeBob and identify with them would be horrifying. But how often are we the Patrick or SpongeBob? You know, how often are we just completely desensitized to someone else's suffering, completely unaware of their needs, completely in our own world and thinking that we're helping and we're just, you know, ham-handedly hurting them? Wow. And I think that's that's another thing you could take away is, like, be aware of other people, you know? Listen to them well. If you can't understand them, be aware of that. Don't don't push. Don't hurt. Pretty sobering. <laughs> it's kind of terrifying. I mean, I don't know. Not to, not to put us in the, the shoes of the villain, but it's... It's a reality, I think, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. This podcast started off as a joke. But... <laughs> yeah, dude. Honestly, as time's gone on, hey, guys, it's not funny. It's not a funny podcast. <laughs> we didn't do it. We tried, and I'm so sorry, but we we didn't do it. it. This It's not our fault. We thought this would be funny, and then we watched the show that Steven wrote, and he wrote something traumatizing and terrible. Yeah. Um, and no, that's not a reflection of where Jose and I are at. That is the objective reality about this show is that it was meant to, to inflict harm. And I don't think any of us realized it, but here we are. But here we are now exploring this as adults. Uh, and yeah. we're so thankful for you listeners. Uh, thank you for putting up with our brief hiatus. Thank you for, yeah. for listening. And, and we encourage you to interact with us. To tell us what you think, honestly. Yeah. And if you listen to 40 minutes and 56 seconds of this like, if you made it to the end, if you, not unlike Sisyphus, have pushed this rock up the hill so many times and let it roll down, God bless you. I don't know. I'll, I'll buy you a coffee or something. I'm yeah. so proud of you. Um, I hope you learned something. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned for our next episode. Please make sure to... Uh, yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Weirdly enough, can I drop a sneak peek? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. It's also going to be on The Metamorphosis, but by Ovid. Oh, Wow. I, and that's completely unplanned. No, it was not. Uh, but we will be discussing another metamorphosis, and I, I think a much more positive okay. one, actually. So Heck yeah. Be looking forward to that, Yeah, everybody. be looking forward to more positive episodes. I'm really excited for the yeah. pizza delivery episode. Can I say what it's going to yes. be? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to do it on it. The Old Man in the Sea by uh, uh, Hemingway. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Also, thank you to our friend Flower Francis for the intro and outro music. Uh, you can find him at SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.